0: This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, hour two underway
1: on a Thursday. It's a Flames game day. We are live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, blowing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems they all things basement. You visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. All things Flames and Sharks in hour one. Dustin Wolf gets the start. Talked about the importance of this road trip for the Calgary, or this homestand, excuse me, for the Calgary Flames after a four-game road trip. Also got to look at the opposition with our pal Curtis Pichelka from the Bay Area News Group. If you missed any of that, check us out on the podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify. We'd love to have you along for the ride. Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie along with you. And we're kicking off our two JMAC. It's one of the best conversations of the week. Always a pleasure to chat with our next guest from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. It's the one and only Adnan Virk. A E V, how are you, pal?
2: Logo, Julian, a pleasure
1: as always, fellas. Uh, I wish I could tell you I had, like, you know, dinner with Bob Costas again. But <laughs> oh, no, no! You missed out, That's Julian. what I was waiting on! You missed it last week, pal. <laughs> awful, right, awful. Julian was in my neck of the woods last week, right? Julian was yes, in Jersey
0: last
2: week. I
0: was in New Jersey last week. Uh It's a funny story, actually, because um I was in New Jersey. Typically what happens is is reporters when they go on like that road trip out east where they have to go through New Jersey, Long Island, and New York City, they try to book a hotel in New York City, they can hang out in the city, they can, you know, if it to- comes time for them to do public transit, it's a bit of a central location. So I was trying to book a uh, a hotel in the New York City area so I could do that, and I accidentally booked one in North Bergen, New Jersey, like 20 minutes from oh. the tunnel. So I had to like take like the new the New Jersey transit bus like almost every day to get into the city and get around. Like it, it I made it work, but like Ugh. man, I, I'm just getting this out the way now 'cause cause I already went through it with some of the sports that guys on that road trip getting roasted. I'm just I'm just embracing it. But hey, New Jersey's nice. New Jersey's nice.
2: Yeah, I mean listen, the problem is New Jersey is very nice, but the part that you normally see isn't great. Yes. Because you're going for a devil's game, you're just seeing, you know, Newark, which is a pretty run down area. Shot to Cory Booker. Nobody could. Sea Caucus, which is where I work, and we network again. That's a very industrial area. Yes. The swamp, et cetera. So you got to go a little. You got to hop on the 17th. You go a little north. You get around where I live. It's it's a beautiful area. But yeah, you're not you're not seeing the best of what Jersey has to offer. But it's funny you mentioned the bus. That's exactly what I took home after my dinner with Bob Costas because the traffic. Can be so mind numbing to go into the city and very expensive, quite frankly. I'll take the train into the city and then take the bus back. So you and I both united in our appreciation of public transit in the New York City area.
0: I really should have taken the opportunity. Not that I was, I was pretty busy that week, but I really should have just kind of went over to Logan and be like, hey, can you flip me Adnan Verks number? Maybe you can get me out of North Bergen. For a
2: <laughs> 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 My basement would have been much better than North Bergen. Like, uh, Save the company a few
0: bucks. Oh my God! Dude, like, North Bergen, like, like this, like this hotel's like kind of on this like random hill. You're seeing like this intersection of cars, and like that's it. Like that was, yeah. Anyway, the less said about North Bergen, uh, the better. How do you feel about pitchers and catchers reporting, admin? <laughs>
2: uh, it's great, fellas. I don't know how it is in Calgary right now, but we just got snow this week, so it was actually our first snow day. In two years, it's wild. we got about uh, five inches, so do the math, how many sound is that is it was, it was a good chunk, and uh, it was nice to be able to have a couple of boys at least helping me shovel out the snow and get things done. but I think the the trauma of pitchers and catchers is even stronger when you have weather like this because then you go, oh man, look at what we're dealing with right now, dealing with the snow. Hey, I can't wait. it's gonna be baseball season sooner rather than later so um, the actual pitchers and catchers reporting Isn't that exciting? Like, I mean, it's really this video of like, you know, Garrett Cole soft tossing, but the message behind it is that, Hey, warmer weather and baseball is right around the way.
1: Are you one of those transplanted Canadians work that like misses the snow now that you don't get it as often?
2: A hundred percent logo. It, it's so funny. Like w- when the snow comes, it just, you know, reminds you of my youth brings back fond memories of growing up in Kingston, Ontario and, uh, playing in the snow and still all the rest of it. Like I worry, we're going to have like a generation of kids here, pick my own who just aren't used to, it. they don't know what to do. Like my, my son is, is seven and I'm like, Oh my God, dude, like, go put in your snow snow. Let's go. He's like, eh, you don't have school. Like he, he loves basketball. So his only activity was after we'd shoveled the snow, he just wanted to shoot hoops. And I'm like, that's great. But like, you can do basketball anytime. This is the day to literally make snow angels, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't having it. So, uh, I definitely do miss the, uh, the cold weather and the snow. Matter of fact, I'm taking advantage of it because I think it's supposed to warm up considerably next week. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take my kids to like a local ski mountain and go tubing, which is a term I was not familiar with in Canada. To me, really, I just, I just knew tobog- Yeah, I just knew tobogganing. Like as a kid, we got like you know, the crazy carpets, and we used to go down Fort Henry and just go flying down there, like you know. Uh, the, the concept of tubing, I'd never heard, I swear, until i came come to America. I'm sure it's very popular in Canada as well, but I'm like, yeah, you just you sit in the tube and quiet out. You have to be your stomach first. You know, you're going to be facing towards the ground, 48 inches. There's a specific requirements for it. And I'm like, okay. So basically, there's like a ski mound close to our house. And again, it's skiing, but then there's also the tubing. And like the tubing is fantastic. And I'm like, I just remember handing it toboggan. I remember going to Canadian Tire, getting a crazy carpet for like three bucks. And that was it. That was the entertainment for the day. I, sledding I, I believe is another term they call it sledding is probably what I, what I knew growing up sledding or tobogganing yeah tubing is a different matter
0: uh, now tubing definitely is a thing in in Canada but when you brought up those rules earlier about how you're supposed to sit in the tube that I'm not familiar with like you, you I've seen people like sit back first I've never heard of the like, stomach no
1: like two or three you get like two yeah. or three of your friends on a tube and yeah, oh, yeah. it pushes you down the hill. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you're going down the hill, you see, I, I've seen it happen before where like you're going down the hill and someone, maybe they crashed earlier, they're in the middle of it and you can't get out the way and then yeah. you smack them on the way down. Like that could, per- that might be the funniest thing that happens to you today. Like that day, like some kid <laughs> gets destroyed by a tube on the well, way down then, a hill. That's a, the highlight of your day as a kid. There's a viral clip.
1: I don't know if you've ever seen it because yes. you're not from but that uh, uh, the, i've seen it it's got all reporter. over yes the, the
0: that's glo- from edmonton yes there's a global reporter i don't know if you've seen this adnan but there's like a, a no. reporter from uh, global edmonton years ago who's doing this stand-up like in the middle of this hill and there's a guy someone kid or someone's they coming down on they, this they tube thought it'd
1: be a good visual to have like they're showing some he's doing some story on a, the tobogganing in in edmonton and so they thought it'd be a good visual to have a, t- a tube Coming down the hill as he's doing his his stand up, Verk, and the thing clobbers him. Dude did a full flip at about a <laughs> yeah. thousand miles an hour, and like oh. live on TV it's does of, a helicopter. It's unbelievable. It's one of
0: the like it, like in terms of like viral videos that have been around forever that just kind of stick in your brain. Like that, for, right. I mean, that's definitely one of them.
2: Well, that's what happens, right? When you're trying to do something unique with your story, like okay, how can I make this sing? I'll go flying down that tube! Like, no, it reminds me. I can't remember what it was now. What even Steve Gelb said? There was one of the. I think it was one of the Mets guys. He, uh, who just served for the National Network as well. He went down the Bernie the Brewers slide. Yes, at a game against the Brewers. I remember right? this. I think he I broke his arm or something. Like, yes, he did. Like, that <laughs> it was, was like that was like a year or two ago, think? right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like one of those. That you go, okay, what can we do, guys? What can we do something different? I'm like, yeah, I will just go down the slide. Apparently, he was flying. Like, I don't, I don't know if they greased that sucker up with some butter, but I'm like, he was rolling, <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> it's all fucking games to go I just broke my arm Like what? Six to eight weeks I'm out but did you get the video As long
0: as you got the video Oh my god it. That's him to approach him Oh man Did you see him collide At the end of that slide too Like the Oh Like it, it's painful The yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I do have another Baseball question for you um, Yeah One story going around uh, Today of uh, The Athletic has this I believe it's from the work Of Stephen Jayden Esbitt uh, the, the, uh, clothing, uh, I guess the company will call them the, the manufacturer fanatics is, uh, yeah. they've been in charge of making the MLB jerseys. I know Nike's on with that, but it's really fanatics. And it mm-hmm. seems as if they've made some changes with the jerseys and the way that they look and feel it. it, it and, and even one of the players saying, it looks like a replica and I'm, I'm sure you've seen people order from them before and, and and some of the jersey files that they've made from Fanatics. I, I I'm curious, I'm kinda of putting you on the spot with that one, but I'd love to know your thoughts on 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 Fanatics and, and the and the clothes that have been done with them and how they're they're taking charge of them it will be in the NHL. They're gonna be taking charge of them later this year. Just kinda of wanted your thoughts on that story.
2: Yeah, Michael Rubin's the guy, I believe, who's in charge of it all. because I remember when Fanatics signed a deal with hockey, mm-hmm. they uh, they asked me to come in that day. And I remember it was like some sort of top secret. They read a scheduling manager, but they always oh, like, hey. We need you to go in at like 9 a.m., there's an interview with the commissioner. I'm like, okay, like, well, like, oh, my God, like, I had no idea. This was at least a year ago. And when I got to, I asked the guy, like, what is it? Like, is, are we getting a team in Quebec City? Like, I, I was I assumed it was an like expansion or something, right? Somebody's being banned for life. I said, no, they signed a deal with Fanatics. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, <laughs> that, that's what it is. And it was Michael Rubin and uh, Gary Bevin. The funniest part of it was, and you guys know this in the business, and they only should have helped you the names to phoneticize, so I'll never forget. In the prompter, it says, Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin. But in parentheses, it says, R-U-B-E-E-N. So before we Wait. went on, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know exactly where this is going. Thank God we were taping it. So I said, joining us now is National Commissioner Gary Badman, Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin. And we should do the interview. And and apparently we just plowed through, but immediately, like, well, Gary answers the first question. The producer, Mark Capablo, who's one of the funniest people i we'll ever meet, says in my ear, he goes, it's Ruben, not Rubin. Just a heads up. So, so I'm completely, you know, unflustered. Uh, we do the rest of the interview, but then as soon as it ends, I go, hey, Michael, I'm so sorry. This guy go, it was, it was phoneticized a certain way. So afterwards, and I, and I put it to you guys, because I, I get what they're doing, right? B-E-N is what? Bin. Okay, yeah. so Ruben. But in my head, I'm like, but if, if it looks the way it's pronounced, then I wouldn't phoneticize it. Right? Like, that's my thing. Like, I wouldn't put Logan Gordon in parentheses. No. I wouldn't put Julian McKenzie, because once you do, then you go, oh, it's McKenzie. Oh, okay, so I have to hit the mic- – no, it's just McKenzie. That's it. So, like, that's when it screws me up. So, um, that's my long way of saying, whenever like, I think of fanatics, I think of Michael Rubin. <laughs> I, Rubin. I think that's, a, that's I, a
0: good way of getting around the question.
2: Right. <laughs> but, but I, But I think it's – Listen, they, they definitely have deep pockets, man. One thing about Fanatics, those guys, like, they, listen, I just remember from that interview, this guy was very sharp. He knew exactly what he was talking about. They, they made a lot of money off this stuff. So yeah. I I don't know a ton about it, Julian, to be honest. I, I'm sure that there's some people upset with it, as normally happens when these, you know, big companies take over. There's going to be a certain way they do it, but um, they're not going anywhere. That, that's probably my biggest takeaway is that yeah. Fnatic is deeply embedded with all these sports leagues, like it or not, and I'm sure there's some that aren't crazy about it. Yeah, they ain't going anywhere, so better get
1: used to it because uh, – Rubin ain't going anywhere.
0: Uh, especially with the size of some of those parties that he has. I don't know. Like sometimes I'll see photos like of some of the all-white parties.
1: Yeah, he's, he, he's like a major he's celebrity guy, man. This like, man
0: balling.
1: Jay Z well, and Beyonce. It, like,
2: like, I, I had, I had no idea what a big deal the guy was. Evidence for the fact I thought his name was Rubin. but afterwards, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm clearly never getting invited to the all-white party, So I'm like, man, this is like. I couldn't believe it. Like, as you said, it, was like, it Beyonce and Z. Like, you named the biggest – like, DiCaprio. Like, you named the biggest stars in the world, and he has them come to his party. Kardashians. Like, you name it. Seriously, from all walks of life, they're there. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy, those parties that he throws. I would love to be a fly on the wall for those. <laughs>
1: uh, wanted to flash back to the weekend with you as well. Uh, how did you enjoy uh, the Super Bowl in Las Vegas? Uh, the Chiefs get past the 49ers in OT
2: telling you, Logan, last week, I watched uh, the the Spongebob version, which was fantastic. Yes. I don't know if that was available in Canada, but it, on yep. Nickelodeon, it was, so it's literally, our, by the way, great Canadian, Nate Burleson, was doing with Noah Eagle, who's like the next big thing, terrific broadcaster, so those guys are calling the game, but then on the screen, they had they had Patrick and they had Spongebob, so uh, at times, there was like a picture-in-picture picture of just Spongebob and Patrick like, biting their nails, but they had like all the characters in the show, and like you know, Mr. Krabs is there, and like, you know, Squidward is waiting to go to the bathroom, and he's in the audience. And I'm like, I, I was amazed to what level they did it. I thought it would just be like something cute off the top, and like, all right, here's some football. But no, no it was consistently SpongeBob talking, and like, this, like the biggest one, it was like two minutes left in the game, and one of the characters comes on. And they go, "How's it looking down there?" Like, this is a tie game. It's a Super Bowl. Two <laughs> left, and he goes, "Guys, I just had a personal foul in my shorts," and I'm like, "Oh." My God. <laughs> <laughs> they are really going all out here, according to the audience. Like I was like, time and a place? No, we are here to literally entertain 12-year-old kids. And my, my son was loving it. And my 7-year-old watched it, too. So I ain't never going back. If ever there's a SpongeBob option, I'm going to be watching that football game. I'm sure Nancy and Romo were great. I'm big fans of both. But it was very entertaining, very irreverent. The only issue was zero statistics.
0: No, zero. You're, not, you're not watching that broadcast for statistics, Admin. No. SpongeBob wasn't me talking me about late- QBR or anything? Oh, no. that's pretty no, disappointing.
2: Nothing. <laughs> not even like you know, a completion percentage. Like if you said to me, if you told <laughs> me late on. in the third, if you told me late in the third, Mahomes said over were three hundred yards passing, I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Like I had no idea. They they never put a graphic on the screen. You're not ex- you're you expecting
0: do you do? SpongeBob and Patrick to give you stats? I know. You just yeah, Patrick the, be there, be like Patrick Mahomes throws for three hundred yards. Yeah. It, would, it would be like fun fact.
2: It was like Patrick loves Patrick, and it would just be a shot of <laughs> Mahomes and like Patrick hugging. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, this is this is the stats and analysis we're getting. So mm. I was actually amazed the next day when I saw the stats. I'm like, oh wow, I had no idea what Mahomes did in the game. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't play well, but I'm like, seventy percent completion percentage. Really? I'm like, wow, that's nuts. Okay, I do remember he threw a pick. Okay, a couple touchdowns. I'm like, wow. All right. So it was a very, a but very entertaining. I gotta be honest. I really enjoyed it. It was great.
1: Just as a side note to that props up to the voices of SpongeBob and Patrick for making a, an absolute, first of all, as if they're not making mad residuals off of that show. How much do you think those guys get paid? To do a Super Bowl broadcast like that. Those guys are making bank for that broadcast. they Are wearing,
0: like, motion caps? Oh, absolutely, Like, the whole nine. Like, it wasn't just them, like, sitting in a chair, like, doing the voice acting. Like, they were – they committed to the bit. No, that's a great point, guys. You're right. If it's
2: one of those, like, a five-minute, you know, pre-rehearsed bit, then the actual Super Bowl, they're, like, getting bombed in a suite somewhere. No, they're working. Like, that's that's three and a half hours they're working. And I was – I got to tell you, I was particularly impressed with Nate. Like, I love him because he's Canadian, and he lives in nearby Ridgewood, New Jersey. He's, like, five minutes away from me, parents. Somebody, somebody recognized you recently in the course show. Trust me, I never get recognized. But a guy recognized me, and he goes, oh, you're here visiting Nate. And i was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, Nate Burleson lives here. Like, he does? He's like, yeah. He's like, "I, I, I go where's his house? I'll go knock on his door right now. Nate, I'm not an Amber, fellow Canadian, once want to But apparently, we're neighbors, and he does a phenomenal job. And what I was most impressed by was he's on the CBS pregame for, like, four hours. Then he does this ridiculous kids' broadcast. And we're just talking about getting slimed. and like, oh, the big bad guys are coming. Like, but then immediately he was in the post game. I go, what? <laughs> I can <didn't believe> <laughs> like, he, like, he literally had to morph in and out of character as like Nate Burleson, a former player, then into like kid's host, then back to Nate Burleson analysis. Man. And I think he did CBS this morning. The next morning, I, I was like, that was a hall of fame performance by that guy. It was that,
0: awesome. That's insane. I, I We got to give him his props. I'll give props to Noah Eagle too. We were at Syracuse at the same time. Uh, and I get it. Like, you know, we all know who his dad is. But, like, this is a kid who's – he's a kid, and he's super talented. I always knew that about him from that time. Like, I got to meet him a couple times and hang out. Like, he's a legit, like, cool dude. So whenever I see him succeed and stuff like that, like, I'm – like happy, I'm not gonna say like we're boys, but like I could say like we went to yeah. school at the same time. And even when I was watching the game in 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 Jersey, I was hanging out with a friend of mine uh, who I knew from Syracuse. I hadn't seen him since then, and like I kind of felt like a weird sense of pride, like watching Noah Eagle like call this game on Nickelodeon oh, yeah. with like SpongeBob and and Patrick. But like that's a kid who's like a rising star in our industry.
2: Oh, I agree. I mean, my buddy Adam, I mean, once did like the second screen experience for college football. So like. Him and Joe Tessitore on the field, calling the game, while you know Fowler and uh, you know uh, Herbshire, obviously calling the game in the booth. So it's like, I remember at the time being like, man. Eh. He's like, oh, I, I've called the national championship. I was like, eh. Like on ESPN two did an alternative broadcast, but then I thought about it. I go, no, you know what? He's right. Like I, Noah Eagle can say he called the Super Bowl. Like that's insane. And a matter of fact, it's probably harder what he was doing because Nance has this large s at him. I'm sure he's got his spotter. He got his stats guy. Like he's got a whole you know crew around him. Again, he's top shelf and deserves all the accolades. But Noah Eagle has to call a football game. He still has to identify all the players. He still has to be a professional. But at the same time, don't give any statistics. Be goofy. Be lighthearted. Play off of what Patrick and SpongeBob are doing. Play off of what Nate is saying. I, I agree with you, man. He's a super talent. I mean, I know we can all make jokes about nepotism, and I'm sure the last name helps a little bit, but I always say this. There's going to be a feature on uh, on Joe Black, tonight on MLB Network, actually, and it's like, listen, the last name might get you in the door. I'm sure Ian Eagle taught him a few things, but if you can't hang, you're not going to be able to stay at the party. So credit to Noah. He's been uh, he's been awesome.
1: I was, just, I was actually just going to bring that up uh, on MLB Network uh, because a couple of weeks ago with uh, Julian, we were talking about, uh, some of our favorite broadcasters and, and some of the greats. And so MLB Network celebrating the career of Joe Buck in the latest sounds of baseball. This is going to be exciting. Costas and Verducci, eh? Exactly. One of whom, actually, you know, both guys have had dinner. With it. Verducci, <laughs> and <I> called, <laughs> Verducci and I called the Padres Mets game last year. Who's June the better 3rd, dinner, dinner guest, Costas or Verducci? Well, it's the
2: thing, it's different environments because Renucci <laughs> and I are getting ready to call a game, so we're munching on, like, you know, Cracker Jack and whatever, uh, you know, fish tacos we had in San Diego. Bob was able to wine and dine for a couple hours, <laughs> plus the addition of Ben Bank, which was very good. So, uh, both both excellent in their own respects. But, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I mean, listen, for me, Joe Buck, is it's a soundtrack of baseball. I call 24 World Series, which is twice as much as anybody else. It was amazing looking over, like, I read the press release that MLB sent out, like, all the stuff that he's called. And, like, it makes you appreciate like the first thing i think of is the david freeze call of course paying homage to his dad you know the dad's call with curry pocket we'll see tomorrow night he does that david freeze game six, twenty eleven world series but think back to those yankees red sox world series and those those alcs like that was all joe buck those games aaron boone of course my buddy's memorable home run the red sox comeback you know, dave robert Steele, like that that whole era of baseball he was able to call that whole yankee run was pretty amazing and even up until like literally a couple of years ago, like all, the, the Rangers that colossal collapse in 2011, that was an epic uh, World Series, obviously against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool, man. I look forward to seeing it tonight, and I wish that he was such a professional. I saw a bit of a, a sneak peek, and I guess Verducci was saying how the one thing that Joe had to deal with that nobody else did was social media. You yeah. know what I mean? Like nobody's criticizing Red Barber or like Ben Scully back in the day called the World Series, but you know, oftentimes we've all heard the criticisms of Joe. People think he's too smug or he's too boring or he's against your favorite team, and I. I always thought it was nonsense. I really did. Like, there, there's some criticism against people. You go, oh, okay, I could see that. I don't agree with it. if I could see that. But I, I never really caught it with Joe Buck. I was like, I don't think he's cheering against your favorite team. I think he's great. And I, and I think there was a run maybe where he was a little bit low-key. But, like, if you listen to him last year, was like, he was really jazzed up. And, like, him and Aikman listening to him on football, like, I, I think it's awesome. I, I've always found the criticisms surprising, at least to me. I, I think he's great.
0: I, I just want to jump in on that talk because I, I think you have it right here. I think with, with Joe, I think sometimes the energy could be misplaced with him and I, I'll say but, this in 2011, uh, wasn't he like sick with some kind of weird?
2: Yeah. Thing? So that, that's a great example, Julian. So he had like a vocal ailment. So you're right. He did If you go back and watch that world series, he does not sound good at all. No. He, he's only able to talk at like 50%. And that call is great, but he still isn't able to really sell Like The words are great, but like, it's actually a pretty tough listen. I think when Berkman ties it, like in the 11th, he literally is just like Lance Berkman tie game. And you're like, Oh my God, what's going on with this guy? So you're right. He was battling a terrible vocal ailment, which in retrospect, I'm kind of amazed he was able to call the world series or that box not say, Hey dude, let's put in somebody else here. But yeah, like that's people will point to that. I'm like he was literally had a serious illness. You can't fault him for that one.
0: I don't know, man, but I'll give him this. Like, I think over the last few years, hearing his calls and hearing more energy, like I, I know it's not, the word, I know we're talking more of his baseball calls, but like, I think the the best call he's ever made was the Vikings Saints second round, uh, yeah. the divisional round playoff game. That the Diggs touched up. That's yeah. the best call he's ever made. Perfect energy, perfect yeah. call. Like that's as good as it's ever going to get in terms of a call for Joe Buck, as far as I'm concerned. And the fact that he's at that level where you could say he has that and everything has been just as good. Like, that's a great story. I, I, I've, I've, I've turned around on Joe Buck. I used to be kind of mad on him. I still, I still want to put him in my Mount Rushmore, but I have turned around on Joe Buck. I enjoy him.
2: Yeah, and I think that happens sometimes. Like I would have said that on Jim Nance like five, six, seven years ago. I'm like, yeah, Same he's deal. Like doing, he's doing golf. I'm like, ah, oh, golf? I don't like golf. Golf's boring. The Masters tradition like any other blah, blah, blah. Hello, friends. This guy's kind of corny. And then I was like, once Romo was there, I'm like, I think Nance is phenomenal. Like, I was like, no, I think he's great. Like, he's got a great voice. He always nails the moment. That Bills call wide right, you know, two most infamous words in Buffalo. I think he plays great off of Tony, who's like kind of Madden esque of the way he's like so overly enthusiastic. But I think Nance is amazing. So you're right. If, if you'd asked me five years ago, I'm like, Yeah, I don't know understand why that guy's up there with the braids. But no, I, I get it. So I, I, I hear you on Buck and- I think that's fair, by the way, to say that you, you can change your mind to these things. Like why, why would you always stick to one opinion about one broadcaster? They can have downturns. They can have lulls, and they can get better. And I think if you look at Joe's progression, he certainly has become better as a broadcaster. And, again, I think he's, he's a really fun
1: listener. Uh, before we let you go, uh, let the people know what's up on uh, the latest edition of Cinefile, man. Yeah, Dave Carter, who's a
2: great guy, does a phenomenal job on TCM, co-host of Ben Mankiewicz. Uh, he's got a great new book out called 50 Oscar Nights, in which he talks to 50 Oscar winners about the night that they won the Oscar. You know, what was so special about that moment? What stands out about it? So it's really cool that, um, he was able to come on the pod, and tell some great stories, man. Marsha K. Harden was in like a high speed car chase after she won the Oscar. That, that's my tease for it. You have to listen to the episode. How exactly an Oscar winner was in a high speed car chase after winning an Academy award. He's got stories from JK Simmons, Damon Chazelle. And it's, uh, it's a really fun book and a good uh, a good listen there with Carver and and I also retell the story of Bob Costas. So Julian didn't get to hear it last week. You can go listen to the podcast. <laughs> I'm and definitely going in. Bob.
0: Yes, yeah. I'm I'm <laughs> jealous.
1: I didn't get to hear this Bob Costas story. Terrible. <laughs> it was the story of the year, Julian. You missed it unfortunately. Damn it, Ed, uh, and, and you're the best. Always appreciate the time, sir. Uh, enjoy your week. We'll chat with you again soon.
2: You guys too. My pleasure. Thanks, Logan. Thanks, Julian. Take care.
1: Thank you, Julian and uh, Logan. Just signing off with Ed and Verk. On uh, the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar, a guest highlight online. of my
0: week. I just want that said. Getting the opportunity to talk to Adnan Verk every Thursday, at least when I'm in the studio, anyway. Highlight of my week.
1: It's just a blast. Just a great guy, a great human being, and yeah, uh, you, you missed the the Costa story. Was great. It was so much fun. Um, <sighs> it's just like dinner. Like it's just dinner. But he just he the way that Verk. It's
0: Bob it about
1: It was good, it but was also so good.
0: Adnan Verk. Just it seems like he, especially the life that he lives now. You know, working at MLB Network. You know, hanging around all the stars. and it's celebrities. It's good to see a Canadian having success like that. Man, he's been all over he's, ESPN,
1: MLB Network, Angel Network. It's big time.
0: No, Adnan's big time. But the cool thing is that at least when we talk to him, he seems like a very down to earth person. He'll definitely name check a couple people <laughs> because he could he could do that. But like, I feel like. Like I, I, and I hope the listeners at home feel that way too. Like I feel like whenever we have him on, it's a it's a straightforward conversation. Like it's a cool, like we're not just throwing up to a guest and like just asking them basic stuff. Like it's just we could we could hang out with him. Like I would genuinely love to hang out with Adnan Verk.
1: Yeah, it's more of a conversation than it is an interview, which a lot of these are. So I uh, appreciate him again. You can find him on Twitter at Adnan S Verk. We're gonna take a break. Come back on the other side. Finish off the show uh, talking some Columbus Blue Jackets hockey. Uh, No, they don't play the Flames, but they have let go of their GM today. And uh, me and Julian will give you our thoughts on the dismissal of Jarmo Kekalainen in Columbus as we close out Hour 2 next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, one more segment to go this hour. Logan and Julian along with you. Flames game day. Dustin Wolf gets the start. Flames and Sharks. One lineup change from last game. Cole Schwint in on the fourth line. Jacob Pelche will not play. Upper body injury, but just day-to-day. So that's the good news for the Calgary Flames. Andre Kuzmenko and Braden Pahal make their home debuts for the Calgary Flames. 7 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call. Pat Steinberg with Flames warm-up at 6 o'clock. We heard from head coach Ryan Huska and chatted a bit about a game day a little earlier in hour one, if you want to check it out, uh, because this segment, keep it with the NHL topics, but uh, going to Columbus, Julian, some big news this morning, John Davidson and the Columbus Blue Jackets announcing that Jarmo Kekalainen has been relieved of his duties as general manager. As I mentioned, uh, President of Hockey Ops and Alternate Governor John Davidson announcing today uh, that he, along with the team's Hockey Ops management team, will assume the general manager's duties while the club goes through the process of hiring a replacement. Kekalinen was named the third GM in Blue Jackets history back on Feb 13, 2013. Club amassed a 410, 362, and 97 records. Uh, record in 869 games during his tenure, which was the longest, of course, in Blue Jackets history. Qualifying for the playoffs five times, four winningest seasons based on points percentage uh, in their history. Blue Jackets are back in action Saturday when they visit the San Jose Sharks. Columbus, as we speak on this Thursday, Julian, currently sitting 29th in league standings. Forty-two points on the season, a minus forty-one goal differential, and clearly the Jackets feeling that they needed to go in another direction. What was your initial thought process hearing that news today? Why now? That's a really
0: good question. That's because you remember what Yarmo Kekalainen had to deal with uh just before the start of the season, right? I do. The the Mike Babcock stuff. Yep. Yeah. And My understanding of that was that the only reason why he didn't get fired was because they did not want to go through a start of the season with a new head coach and a new general manager. That was my understanding. You could tell me different, but my understanding was that they did not want to have all this instability after they already had to let go of a head coach because he couldn't get himself out of his players' phones. So from that point on, I already figured Garmo Kekalainen's days were numbered. I mean, yeah, you could look at his tenure in, in Columbus and go through all these different things and, and wonder, hey, was he the, g- the guy worth keeping around for the next how many years, getting Fan Fantilli and David Yuracek and all those guys? But the way they handled uh, Mike Babcock, I didn't think he was going to fit. I I almost didn't think he was going to finish training camp. I was surprised that they kept him as long. Yeah. So the fact that they go through the season, why, I, I guess the only reason why now is... You get your a new general manager in place around the time when you can still get some more scouting in for the next draft class coming up later this year, see what draft pick you can get, I guess, in the top five or wherever they end up in the draft order, and go from there. You give your, your general manager some time. It's not uncommon to see new GMs come in in February, but still, my thought was, why now? Why not before, or why not a little later? But I think it's probably just as a... As a scouting thing, I guess, but almost like like, he he got hired like February 13th, 2013. Mm -hmm. So almost like 11 years to the day, he gets hired, he gets bounced.
1: Yeah, my initial reaction was the timing as well. The way that I looked at it was if you have any doubt that he's not the guy, you don't let him go through trade deadline as your GM and making any sort of moves for the future. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm with you. I, I thought this was going to be – I thought Jarmo Kekalainen's time in Columbus was done after the Mike Babcock fiasco. That's uh, That, to me, was the time to do it if you were Columbus. And, yeah, you would have had some instability, but, I, I mean, John Davidson's been around long enough in, in hockey circles that I'm sure either he and some of the staff in Columbus or him and, you know, bring somebody in temporarily to help sort of – tied the waters until something more stable came along. It's not like entering the season, there were Stanley cup aspirations and you were worried that, you know, firing Yarmo kick a line and not going through with Pascal Vincent was going to suddenly, you know, take you from cup contender to bottom of the league. So yeah, it's just the problem with this jackets team is tell me where they're going. Like this should be a young and upcoming team. Cause you mentioned some of the names, that are on this team, Cole Sillinger, mm. you mentioned Fantilli, Ken Johnson is there, um, uh, with the youngsters, Jurecek, Jurecek, yeah. uh has been there. And I just don't uh, – it hasn't progressed. They haven't taken that next step. They have veteran bodies on this team signed for the long term. Uh, the last couple of seasons of major ads for this team with Jarmo Kekolainen have seen the team get worse. Like, they've added Goudreau, Goodbranson, Severson, Provorov, just off the top of my head as guys on big money, longer-term contracts, and they've gone
0: backwards. This is a team, in my eyes, even when they made those additions, overstated how far along they were in the process. When they added Johnny Goudreau, I mean... I don't think the Columbus Blue Jackets were all that close to being a legit playoff contender. When they made those additions of of Ivan Provorov, I still didn't think they were that close. And even if the team itself, you know, they look at themselves and they think, man, we're a good team in a division where you have to fend off the New York Rangers, who are atop that division right now, the Carolina Hurricanes, even the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that we wrote off at the beginning of the year. We saw John Tortorella go there, and we thought, oh, there's going to be fireworks, and this team's going to suck. This team could make the playoffs. And then you saw the Devils, who did what they did last year. The Islanders, who still find a way to compete. uh, Years where we also write them off, too. The Penguins of Sidney Crosby, they're falling out of it. But that's a team I think we had more hopes for this year. Uh, The Washington Capitals are in that weird transition place. There was a lot of teams in that division who, that's basically everybody you're putting above the Columbus Blue Jackets. I still thought, with all the additions they made, I, I couldn't think of them being much better than almost any other team in that division.
1: Let me ask you this then, and I, I don't bring this up because of the market we're in. It's going to sound like that, that I want to put blame on this guy, but I, I'm not doing that whatsoever. But do you think, looking at it now, signing a guy like Johnny Gaudreau? Made and think they were closer to contending than they actually were, that he needed to fast track this thing by bringing in some veteran guys and maybe not taking the slow and steady approach that you normally would with some of the youngsters we named. Right? Does he suddenly go from, well, we can get a guy like Johnny Gaudreau? Well, that means I got to I got to get a good Branson, and then this offseason, okay, well, we got to take that other step. We got to get off and Severson and we gotta start going because you don't make those kind of moves if you're not gonna be a contender or you're not looking to get any better than you were last
0: season. Yeah. Plus you you have Patrick Line, who look all the best to him in the players assistance program, but you have Patrick Line when he was healthy. Uh, Jack Roslovic was a guy you got in that in in that Winnipeg trade. Uh, Zach Wierenski, I know he battled injury, but a good young, actually, I don't even know how, he's not that young anymore. I mean, no, he's 25, 26, 26. Still relatively young, but like that's your, your center. That's a, a defense when you build around, yeah. like you, I think, I think that could play a role into it. Absolutely. I think you, maybe you look at your roster, you add a Johnny Gaudreau and you think, Hey, you know what? This team can at least compete. This team can at least find itself in the playoff picture. But last year for them, they were too ravaged by injuries to really make a dent in anything. So that derailed them. And then you have this year where they start off on the wrong foot with Babcock. And then you're hoping with all those additions you made that you're going to be better. But again, like how I listed off before. I never really thought of them as a good enough team to really make that noise. And I would have been happy to have been proven wrong. But I think this is just a case of, of Yarmo. Even with the, the the Johnny signing where they, they just they grossly overvalued how good their team was. And I mean, I don't think they're at the San Jose Sharks level of pain, but for whoever's taking over this team, they're probably gonna have to get to a point where they're gonna have to clear off some of that dead wood, right? Like I, I think I, I'll say this for whoever wants that job, and we're gonna hear names. Uh, I was I was listening to the Jeff Merrick show a couple hours earlier and they were listing off names already. But just guys that come to mind, like an Eric Tulsky in Carolina, who people love to throw his name out for jobs. And he almost got the Chicago job. Mm -hmm. People love to throw out the name of Matthew Darsh, who's been in Tampa for all those years. But he was linked to Anaheim when there was a vacancy. He was linked to Montreal when there was a vacancy. I believe Vancouver as well, when there was an opportunity there. Um, There's even been talk about Jeff Gordon in Montreal, who worked in Boston, worked with the New York Rangers.
1: That's their relationship with John Davidson? Yes. From their time in New York?
0: Yes. So, yeah, he'll he'll probably get looked at for that. I think if you're a general manager, uh, a younger one, middle-aged, whatever, an opportunity where you can say, you can build around an Adam Fantilli, uh, you have a, a young defenseman in Yurichek who, you know, we know in, in talking with... uh with Aaron line that, you know what, maybe it's not always, you it could work on that relationship a little bit, but that's still a, a, a first round pick. You're, you're, you're easing into your system. You get yourself a decent goalie. You get yourself more young players and prospects. Maybe you have yourself a team, but I think there's a decent start with some of the players you've been able to accumulate. And, and, and we'll even add Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger to that too, that going forward, maybe you can be competitive. If you build it right, that's a pretty appealing job for any pending uh, general manager, whether first time or someone who wants another opportunity to get back on the horse.
1: This off season coming up, the GM, whoever it is in Columbus, will have to determine the future of Jack Roslevic unless he gets traded pre-trade deadline. Uh, he's a UFA uh, coming off a deal at $4 million per. Uh, Alex Texier is 24. He'll need a new contract as an RFA. Kent Johnson won't have Arbright's but needs a new deal as an RFA. Same with Kirill Machenko and Cole Sillinger. Um, Bemstrom, Chinikoff, all as RFAs. So some of those young guys are already at the point where they're to that second contract. And I don't think any of them have popped off where you're going to see major money thrown around to some of these guys necessarily, Julian. But I mean, could you get a Kent Johnston locked up long-term if you're the Blue Jackets, same with the Cole Sillinger, you know, are you in that type of mode? Are you ready to start letting the young guys take hold in Columbus? I mean, uh,
0: I think there's a lot going on here. This team's not going. Not this team's not going anywhere. What else do you have to lose? Yeah, that's how I see it. Like, it, you look, Patrick Linea needs his time away. Johnny Gaudreau, look, you he, he can only do so much on that team, and he's not had the best year. Boone Generous to be the leader of all these guys. Like I think it's I think it's just a one of those weird transition times where you know you get your veterans around to kind of guide some of the younger players, but give the young players the keys. At this point, you have nothing to lose. But also, whoever's taking charge as GM, get good draft picks, accumulate young players, and again, like let the young players run this.
1: Uh, so text at nine six zero nine six zero. You ask why now? Seriously, he's the one who brought in Babcock. Uh, you don't want him taking over from the trade deadline to make more mistakes. Uh, this one says Columbus has never had a number one center. Fantilli is coming, but it's too late for Yarmo. Uh, Matt and Cochran says Yarmo should have been escorted out of the building when they did it with Mike Babcock. Uh, this one says they signed Good Pranson before Johnny. He told them Johnny would come there. Uh, still, whether or not that was the right path for them, still interesting. And this one says, "Boys, what could a Flames and Jackets trade look like to bring Johnny Gaudreau home?"
0: I don't know. Let that, that's... that ship sail, guys. <laughs> yeah. The ship has sailed. He left. He's in Columbus now. He signed all that money, and where the Calgary Flames are going right now, that's not the type of player they want to put in their system. No, I mean they thirty they're...
1: years old at nine point seven five. Heck Great of, times. Heck but... of
0: a player. Meant a lot to this organization. I'm sure when he comes back, and I don't know, I'm what you, you like, just you celebrate him, you do what you want to do. But I'm sorry, guys. Like, Johnny Gaudreau is not coming back on this team. Let that go. People the people in the city need to let that go. Like,
1: hard, I get man. it. Like, I get it. This team... it Valentine's Day yesterday, Julian. It's uh... We're still looking at exes, the ones that got away, the ones that left us.
0: Bro, <laughs> go on your Instagram, <laughs> mute, mute, mute the profile or block them. I don't unfollow Check them. Do what you need to do. all the pictures on your phone. There are great people out there who want to meet you and want to be on your team. Talk to those people instead, okay? Stop looking at your ex. Look at what's next. He's Julian
1: McKenzie. I'm Logan Gordon. This is Sportsnet Today, putting a bow on a Thursday show, it's the Flames and the San Jose Sharks tonight from the Scotia Sandal Dome. Pat Steinberg will have your Flames warm up at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call. Had a busy show today, all things Flames in hour one. Heard from head coach Ryan Huska plus Curtis Pichelka and our Thursday regular Adnan Verk. If you missed any of it, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catch. Julian, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, man. We will see you at the Dome a little later on.
0: Yeah, looking forward uh, to the game tonight. First game back at the dome since well late January. Yep. Yeah, it's been it's been a, it's been a couple of days since I've been able to sit at my seat in the press box. So looking forward to that, and I'll look forward to seeing you post game, yes. and then back tomorrow.
1: Yes, back at it tomorrow for a Friday show. Thanks to Cam and Shan uh, for their great work as well. Enjoy the Flames and the Sharks. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down on another edition of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, the Fan.